0: This Sunday is Palm Sunday, and uh, its purpose is to draw attention to the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem uh, right before his arrest, trial, crucifixion, and resurrection. So I thought we would just start right here uh, with Jesus' entry into Jerusalem uh, the, the whole reason why this day is named Palm Sunday. And I'm gonna be reading out of um, the Gospels and I've kind of taken a couple of Gospels and put them together. So the story is uh, a little bit larger than anyone reading. So actually I've taken Matthew 21 and John 12 and that's what we're gonna be reading from today. And it says this, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives and Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you're going to see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. The news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Now Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the people around him were shouting, Praise to God for the Son of David! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in the highest heaven! Hail to the King of Israel! The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. "'Who is this?' they asked. "'And the crowds replied, "'It is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee.'" So you can just see the mood here, right? This is a celebrity welcome. This is a red carpet entry. This is a hero's welcome. The crowds are excited, man. There is pandemonium. There is is enthusiasm in the streets because they are hailing a, a, a hero somebody that they think is like rock star status, but the jubilation of this Jerusalem crowd soon turns to cries for violence against the very one they exalted just days earlier. It's quite their turnaround. The crowd, man, they just just turn on him in a heartbeat. And again, I want to read to you that idea of what happens, now that Jesus is arrested on trial, it's just days later. And the crowd is a very different attitude. And the Gospels put it this way. They say, a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release barabbas to us. Now, barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. And Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus, but they kept shouting all the more, crucify him, crucify him He demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I found no reason to sentence him to death So I will have him flogged and then I will release him But the mob shouted louder and louder, crucify him Demanding that Jesus be crucified and their voices prevailed so Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned to Jesus over to them to do as they wished. How how did we go from one extreme to the other? How did they so easily turn from hope to hate? I mean, is it that Jesus, humble, headed for a cross, rode in on a donkey instead of a stallion? Is it that Jesus stopped to cry over Jerusalem's fate and the lack of leaders instead of issuing a rousing rebel cry? Is it that Jesus ousted the marketplace occupying the temple instead of ousting the Romans who occupied Israel? Or maybe it was because Jesus taught mercy and grace instead of inciting violence and vengeance. Or maybe the answer lies somewhere in all these ideas. Let's pray. Jesus weeps Understand that sometimes hearts and attitudes change. The vibe of something just changes. And Jesus, we want to understand that a little bit more on this wonderful Sunday as we are just one week outside of celebrating your resurrection. So open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to that. Amen. Well, perhaps one explanation for the crowd's turn on Jesus is broken expectations. We, um, here at, at Being Priest, or we we want to talk about this idea of, of broken expectations. It's it's this brokenness series that we're in, and, and expectations are such a big part of things that are in our life that just break and create a lot of trauma and turmoil for us. And uh, I, I think that, that this happens um, when... Um, well, well, let's talk about it a little bit more. I, I think... That um, that broken expectations are something where we think that something's gonna happen and then it doesn't. Or I think something isn't gonna happen and then it does. Or maybe I, I think that uh, things are gonna happen uh, one particular way and then they happen just a little bit differently. Maybe it's that I, I expect I'm gonna get money back in my taxes and I end up owing, right? Have you have you been there before? or? Maybe it's that I expect to come home on uh, a particular vacation. And uh, this happens to me and you're set to come home in Europe and a volcano erupts, delays us a week, costs a lot of extra money. it certainly was not what I was expecting anyone would ever expect would happen. Um, Or I I expect to come home at the end of every day. Um, And then maybe an accident on the way home changes my life. An expectation? I sometimes expect to stay healthy, right? But you find yourself taking multiple medications every morning just to do that. Broken expectations were happening all around Jesus. And people were feeling the pain that comes with that reality. So let's go back to the crowds as Jesus entered Jerusalem that final time. What were they expecting? I think that they were expecting Jesus was going to overthrow Rome, that he was the conquering hero. This Messiah was some sort of military and political leader that was going to finally get rid of this occupying force in the nation. But uh, their expectations broke because he was actually doing less as a warrior talking talking more about his suffering and his death. And when that expectation breaks, then... Man, the crowd makes a quick turn from crowning him as a king to crucifying him as a criminal. But what about those closest to him? What about his disciples? I mean, certainly they would maintain a healthy set of expectations, right? What about those disciples? Well, I, I think their expectation was that they were going to be a key part of Jesus' inner circle. This one that he is going to establish his throne, and their advisors, and they're right there as a part of the the inner core but their expectations break as he bends down and washes their feet during that last meal when he tells them you're going to deny me you're going to desert me and especially you Peter and their expectations broke and and they made an attitude turn they went from promising that they would never deny him or ever desert him to running for their lives in fact, Peter, he, he goes into lying mode when he gets recognized that night that Jesus is arrested. What about Jesus' mother? What about his mother's broken expectations? Well, I think Mary's expectations were probably that of many parents that she expected that Jesus would be the one to save Israel from its current path. I mean, she had been given an angelic visit, that, that this was going to happen, that Jesus was going to be a somebody in Israel uh, that, that he was going to be one to save people and she would certainly had the expectation that she would outlive her son and but those expectations broke as now she stands at the foot of a cross watching her firstborn die a gruesome cruel death he was the one who just 30 years later right this this They'd just been told 30 years before that she was going to have this baby. And here he is on a cross. He was the one who set her life on this most interesting of journeys. But now there's this grief that she has that every parent who loses a child before they die, whether it's war or miscarriage or accident, no, no parent expects that they will lose a child before they pass away. And so there she is grieving It's the grief of every family member at the loss of what could have been. We all struggle with broken expectations. Many of us are experiencing broken expectations over what we thought would be a better career, a more successful career. Some people enjoyed great success and some we just don't think we ever quite realized our full potential. we thought the marriage was going to be better, or, or maybe the marriage would even last. We have expectations about children and who they're going to be and how that's going to work. And, and that that's all a part of, of what it means to, to have a family and the expectations that come with all of that. And sometimes those are just dashed and broken when the dreams that we had for our, our kids don't go the way we had thought. We expect that our health is going to be better or our health is going to be maintained or we expect our wealth is going to be different than what it is and we'd have more retirement left over. Sometimes we have expectations that, you know, our life is going to look different, feel different, be different. But if only, and our expectations are crushed. When our big expectations especially when our big expectations are, are broken, we start asking big questions of God. Big questions like, where were you? And how could you let this happen? And, and what are you going to do about this, right? And maybe you've asked these questions yourself, and it's like, God, I, I, I thought these this life was going to be different. I, I thought that maybe even because i i believe and serve you that this life is going to be different but it's not so i have all these broken expectations and so then i then i asked one of the biggest questions of all what are you going to do about this god how are you going to change this how are you going to make this better i think for example of mary and martha when lazarus their brother died and they reach out to jesus to help but Jesus delays. He tells his disciples, you know, it's going to be fine. That Lazarus is just sleeping. We'll get taken care of. But they know better. Lazarus is sick and he dies. And Jesus finally arrives. And so let's go look at that passage together, shall we? And take a look at what their expectations are like when one of their big expectations that, G- that they know Jesus can handle is, is crushed. We're reading from John 11. Starting at verse 17, it says this, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for about four days. Now, Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. And when Mary got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Did you get that? I mean, she, she knew, she saw, she she believed that Jesus could have totally healed him from his disease, from whatever it was that was causing him to decline so rapidly to the point of death. She was like, if you had just been here, I I expected that you loved us, my family enough, that you loved Lazarus enough that, man, if you had been here, you could have taken care of it. That's the expectations. But I, I don't know what was the deal. You couldn't, you didn't, you wouldn't. When Jesus, let's pick it up at verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, he saw the other people wailing with her. This deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Then Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, but perhaps the most powerful. That Jesus really did care. He really did love. He was really still present with them. But verse 36, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But someone else said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Again, broken expectations. He could have done this if he wanted. We ask God, so why didn't you? And Where were you? So what happens to these expectations, these broken things that don't go the way that we hope or that we want? What happens in us if these are left unhelped, unchecked? Well, I think one of the first things we do is we experience what we would call disparity. Disparity is the difference between what we expect of the Christian life and what we actually experience in the Christian life. We think one thing, we expect that this is how this is supposed to work, maybe it's the way we believe, it's a, it's a theology we grew up with, it's something that we were told that God would or should do, it's something we read in the Bible, and, and so we understand it a particular way, and then when it doesn't work out that way, when it happens differently, when, when life doesn't work out the way we think it should actually happen. There's disparity. There's, okay, what's what's going on here? We begin to question. We begin to wonder. Big question mark, right, is is put in our head, in our mind. We're like, what's going on? What's the difference here? And if that happens over and over again, if that happens enough times, we actually then move from disparity to disappointment. Disappointment is when our reaction is to a specific outcome or experience that is different from what we had anticipated or hoped for. And we, it's like man just I I can't believe that God didn't do that I, I can't believe that this is this is the way this has happened and, and 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 it doesn't like, and I don't like it and it doesn't feel good and phew, you know I that disappointment um feels like a big letdown and that can then lead to disillusionment now disillusionment is the sense of Having believed something that in reality is far less than we understood it to be, it it takes it one step further. And now it's not just maybe that I have a question mark or or that I'm I'm just really bummed about it, but now I'm starting to feel duped. Maybe I have a defective faith. Maybe it's not what I thought. Maybe God isn't who I thought. Maybe, Maybe my belief is actually really totally misplaced. I might even really carry a sense of shame about it, and might even tell myself and others, Christianity, you know, I'm really not sure it's working for me. And that's when things can give way to despair. We've worked ourselves to the limit, to the bottom. Despair is the giving up any expectation of realizing a goal or hope. At its best, will have a stunted, faked spiritual life with no transparency. So we just try to fit in, look the part. At its worst, despair just I give up and I bail out altogether. I'm just done. (laughs) Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been down this path before. Maybe you're down this path right now. I don't know. All I can say is there is an answer, and his name is Jesus. Because in my experience, in my belief, Jesus does exceed all expectations. (laughs) To those crowds, he did take his place as king. Maybe not the king that they thought. Maybe not the instant king of Israel that they were hoping for. But my Jesus is king. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. He far surpassed their expectations. Just in a much better way. He wasn't there to save Israel. He was there to save the world. And I am so grateful he did. To his disciples who fled and deserted Lied to his disciples. After his resurrection, he rallies them to himself. And he rallies them to change the world with the gospel. He does leave and go to heaven, but he sends the Holy Spirit. Man, those 12, those 12 who in that upper room said, I'll never deny and I'll never desert, now go on to make a world, the whole world a different place. Jesus did surpass every expectation that they had. They would be known in history. We still talk about them. we know their names. children memorize their names. They are a special part of Jesus's life and ministry here. just not how they thought. What about his mother? To his mother, Jesus fulfilled the promise of the angel to Mary. He was the great one of Israel. He was the savior of the world. He fulfilled the promise of Abraham that through Abraham's line, that the entire world would be blessed. God was up to stuff, but it's so much more than what we ever think sometimes our thinking is so small and myopic and narrow but Isaiah the prophet tells us that his God's ways are so much higher than our ways and so part of my expectation has to allow for the bigness and greatness of God to be more than I could ever expect how about Mary and Martha who lost their son Lazarus well he didn't leave Lazarus in that tomb He called for the stone to be rolled away and he commanded Lazarus to walk out of that tomb and Lazarus was resurrected from the dead. It was going to be a short time later that Jesus himself is going to be resurrected. Man, he fulfilled all those expectations. Mary and Martha think, well, where were you? You could have prevented his his dying and Jesus is like, I can take him and bring him back to life again. I can do so much more than you expect that I could do. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Isn't that crazy? It's, it's so cool. It's so good. And that's the deal with Jesus. That's the power of Jesus. See, Jesus is so much more than our expectations. To you and me, Jesus is the one that suffered and died so that we could have life. For you and I, Jesus is the one who gives us hope no matter what our brokenness is. For, for us, Jesus is the one who restores what the enemy has robs from us. Jesus surpasses every expectation. And Jesus gives us an expected life. He gives us far beyond what we thought, dream, imagine. Now, his timing is probably going to be very different than mine. My expectations will, you know, I I expect it's going to happen like this. Jesus is like, you know, you got to let me do this in my way, in my time. And that's hard to do sometimes. But Jesus can also, uh, he he actually can realign my expectations to what he is doing. If I spend time with Jesus, I can hear the gentle voice of the Spirit saying, you know, this is how and what I need. And maybe my expectations can shift more to where God is working so that my expectations aren't as broken as I think they uh, won't be broken as as they could be. Jesus can show us that he is working differently than what we had ever thought. And in doing that, he can restore what was lost, what died. He he can restore and replace what was taken or destroyed. He can give us new dreams and new hopes and new expectations. How does that work? Ah, Here it is. Here we are at at the real heart of this message, the cross. Really, yeah, that old, rugged, bloody, tattered symbol of death and execution. At the cross, broken expectations can be healed by the power of God's mercy and his grace and his love, his forgiveness. It's at the cross that all of the pain and brokenness the blood that Jesus shed, all all of what Jesus did on the cross was for our healing, including healing our expectations, the broken ones and the misplaced ones. There are times when I've expected certain things of people and they don't come to fruition. And I mean good things, godly things. What do I do with that? God, how come they're not showing grace? God, how come this person's not showing forgiveness? It's at the cross that I go to Jesus and say, you know what? You, you died for all this. So I'm going to give these expectations to you. I just, at the cross, I'm going to lay them down. At the cross, I'm just going to hand them over to him and say, you know what? I, I'm just going to operate in grace myself, even if I don't get it. I'm going to operate in forgiveness, even if it doesn't get extended to me. I'm going to operate out of mercy, even if mercy isn't something that others want to bestow to me that's what the cross is for. That's how the cross works. A year ago, Good Friday, a year ago, uh, yeah, I was really struggling with that kind of, that very idea with some family members. And so I decided to take a hike up Mount Zion here in California and, uh, I had written down what those expectations were. They would all been broken. My hopes, they had been broken. And I go up to the top of the mountain and I pull them out and I start talking to Jesus about them. And then I dig a hole and I bury them there. Just so that as I walk down the mountain, Jesus can rebirth in me something different. Didn't want to carry any unforgiveness. I didn't want to carry the pain and the hurt of the brokenness of the expectations. I needed to let it all go. And so on that Good Friday a year ago, I let the cross become my place of healing for my broken expectations of something that was very close to me. Now, Jesus wasn't the only cross there on Mount Calvary that day. There were a couple of other crosses up there, a couple of thieves. <clears throat> and they provide a great contrast to God's expectations. I want to I show you that there in Luke 23. And we talked about this a little bit last week. And I want to go through these with you. And I want you to, to see what Jesus is doing here with these new expectations. And in Luke 23, starting in verse 38, it says this. A sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? I mean, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man, he hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, (coughs) excuse me, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. <laughs> I could see this thief, this criminal, hitting the pearly gates after he dies and being met there by St. Peter, as you know, the, the jokes like to go. <laughs> and uh, I could see P- Peter looking at him saying like, so <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Guy says, Well, I'm I'm here to come in. And I can see Peter looking at him and saying, I'm I'm not sure. I think something happened. I think you're in the wrong spot here, you know. Peter's expectations are this this guy has done nothing to make heaven. This guy knows it too. He's hanging beside Jesus being crucified as a criminal. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> he should not be in heaven. But Peter wants to make sure, so he calls for a file clerk, and he says, so uh, the file clerk comes running, and he has these two big files, well, one big file, one huge one, full of all the stuff this guy has done, bad, horrible, stuff that he's, he's done to hurt people and, and be selfish with and steal and kill and hurt. And The file that says that there's anything good in his life is pretty slim to finding anything in there that, that's any good. Peter's looking at him. He's like, I I don't know, man. This is the deal. And there's this file. Full, you, there's no getting into heaven. I think we've got a mix up here. He starts to call for security. This guy's got to go to the other place. Just about that time, this little file clerk, this other guy comes running up with this flimsy red folder. And it says Jesus on it. And he comes running up. He says, Peter, Peter, this, uh, this is, this is for this file. It just came in. Somebody just made this. Because Jesus had just died. And that red file had the thief's name on the outside. Peter took uh, the big thick folder of all the evil that guy had done and just fit it right inside that red folder. And it just completely covered it. Peter looks at that and says, you know, I know the expectation given your life was that you'd never make heaven. because of the cross, you're good to go. The red file covers completely everything. That's the cross. You know, like the thief, I've broken the dreams and expectations of others, and I've had my expectations dashed many a times. Like the thief, you've had broken expectations, and and you've broken the expectations of others also. So, what do we do? What do we do? We go to the cross. We simply turn to the cross and to Jesus, where the expectations of death were turned into life. We go to the cross of Jesus, where the expectations of shame were shattered by grace. We go to the cross, where I exchange it all for trust that His direction is better than my expectation where forgiveness is there for yesterday and grace and mercy is there for today and hope for tomorrow. At the cross, all broken expectations are healed, even the expectations of God for me. I take all my broken hopes and my broken dreams and I lay them down and I walk away instead with his incredible love. And you can do that today, even now by simply a prayer that says, Jesus, I just give it all to you so that your expectations for me can come alive in my life. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we just believe that your plans for us, your hopes for us, your dreams for us are so much beyond what we get, what we understand. So we just give them to We give our dreams to you to exchange for yours. Cover all of our brokenness and our hurt. Heal it all. Cover our sin with the cross. May we go to the cross and lay down all of our hurt and our pain and our brokenness so that we might be whole and healed and walk a different course, a different path, a different life. One that has a trust in you that is stronger, that is deeper, that is more robust than we ever thought possible. And we ask it all in your name. Amen. God bless you this Easter season, this resurrection season, and we hope to see you Resurrection Sunday. God bless you.